Hello everybody and welcome back to Onto The Ball channel. This is our second channel. Um, we got closed down <laughs> for a few reasons. I don't know what happened, Trav. Uh, before I introduced I the third happened, member, um, I don't know what happened. We've got a, we've got a sneaky suspicion what might have happened, um, and we're going to try not to repeat them same mistakes, and we're going to try and keep it clean uh, in terms of the title of the video, the contents of the videos, um, and then we'll see how we go. But I don't know about you, Trav. When I was training my girls on them Wednesday night at the training, you were phoning me, texting me, the channel's gone, the channel's gone. And I was just starting a training session and I was like, what's going on? What's going on? And I, I got total yeah. head loss. To be honest, I think these small community breaches, they do happen a lot with new channels. So when I did my research on the potential reasons of what it could have been, then it was of no surprise. So something that you live and you learn and you move on. So we're fresh, we're ready, we're back. We're Absolutely. ready to go on the new channel. We only uh, had yeah, 17, we had 17 subscribers. Imagine we had 1,700. Yeah. It felt awful <laughs> just to lose the channel with 17, but we're back. That's not going to stop us. We're going to be bigger, better, tidier, tighter. And uh, yeah, they're not going to keep us down. So this should be episode four, but it's now episode one and we go again. Um, yeah. We'd like to introduce the third wheel. His name's Neil. He's a massive Arsenal fan. It's been his idea to be with us in these podcasts, but he's been so busy with a new job in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and he probably won't be with us all the time, mainly because he's not crazy about ball like me and Trav. Um, but also he's got a young family and a, a high-pressure job. Um, so, yeah, Neil, over to you. Turns out the channel got closed because I wasn't on it. That's why I heard they needed to bring on the subscribers. So, uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, there's been a few teething problems which you boys have sorted out that I've had nothing to do with. So, I just come in when it's all plain sailing, talk about the chat, the ball. I'm obviously the only one that sees ball in this group. So, you'll get an insight, a vision that you probably won't see in most of your journalisms out there. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking to get stuck in, particularly the way football's gone over the first uh, five games of the season, plus Europa League football that started tonight the real um, European football and um, I'm sure we'll get on to all things Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal and everything in between. That's why we've done a Thursday night stream for you two in the Europa League so we can keep an eye on the, <laughs> the live scores. The Emmerdale Cup. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously we've got yeah. so much to go through. Um, we wanted to talk about the weekend's games but we've been busy over the weekend. Didn't manage to get the stream up and running Monday, Tuesday. Um, so much to go through. Man U versus Arsenal, VAR from the weekend, which was just a debacle. But where else do we start than Liverpool last night? Uh, I don't know. What do you two want to know? Ask me something and I'll be honest. I ain't going to lie, I've been loving it, to be fair. Um, your demise ha unravelling before, before my eyes. It's been beautiful to see. But, I mean, I watched the game yesterday and... I was surprised even the, the levels of intensity that, well, the lack of intensity that you're showing in the games. It, it, it's quite a worrying problem now because this has been happening since the start of the season, really. I mean, if we rewind back to the charity shield when you beat Man City, you, you looked like you were ready for the season. I mean, all the messages on the group chat that 
that you were ready for the season. You you were happy with the squad and the way that you were shaping up after losing Mane with Nunes coming in as a direct replacement and some younger players. Um, Harvey Elliott coming back off loan. But you've just stuttered your way along in terms of the results that you've been getting. It's been very inconsistent. But I think more worrying for Liverpool is the, the level of the performances from some key names like Van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold in particular. Um, I've really struggled to get going this season. Um, I'm not sure what it's down to personally. I've got my own theories, but being the Liverpool fan, Scott, I'm sure you've got a more in-depth analysis of what you think is going on at Liverpool. Well, you mentioned the charity shield and in that game we were very much picking up from where we left off last season so I thought this season will be more of the same I know I put a few superlatives into the group chat this is just a palate cleanser for what's to come and all that but Jesus so obviously the charity shield the community shield it was there the performance the intensity um, Nunes come in the excitement Carvalho signed so of course you think it's going to be more of the same. So that's it's such a head scratcher that we've fallen off a cliff like this. But I don't know where to start. If you start up front, obviously you've got Paul Merson, who's the deadest pundit on TV. Straight away, he's like selling Mane was a big mistake. Can't believe Liverpool done it. But you know it it doesn't work like that. Mane asked to leave twelve months ago. Um, I don't know whether he'd already been tapped up by Bayern Munich, but obviously he's got 350k on a week on the table. He's going to end up going. We convince him to stay for one more year. He has another fantastic season. But that was always the trigger for signing Luis Diaz in January. Everyone thinks, oh, FSG, they're spending money out of nowhere. It wasn't because we knew that Mane was going. So when Spurs were interested in Luis Diaz... Of course, we had to act fast because he was the, the Mane replacement and we couldn't wait till the summer. So obviously we brought him in. The next minute we've got um, six up top. We can pick six out of three. We've got this um, talent all up front. Things are looking rosy, but of course then Mane goes. So Luis Diaz, I mean, really, he was outplaying Mane for the, the last few months of the season. Mane moved into the centre. Yeah, he was still bagging goals, but everyone was excited about Diaz. So really, when you look at it, you've still got Diaz on the left, Firmino or Nunes in the middle, Salah still doing his thing on the right. But I've been saying for a couple of years now, and I know you've pulled my pants down in the chat, Trav, about our midfield being our, our most important positions. Obviously, everyone raves about our front three. Everyone says that we started winning titles when we sorted out our defence with Van Dijk, Allison. Obviously, we've got the two fullbacks. But the midfield was the engine room. And then if you look at that, it's starting to look really light. We've mentioned it in a, a stream a couple of streams ago, but obviously they've been deleted now. The midfield three would be Fabinho, who's not pulling up any trees. Thiago, who's always injured. And Hendo, who's always injured. And that's more, Hendo's more the age. He's 32, going on 33. So then the drop-off from that, your backup is Oxlade-Chamberlain, always injured. Um, Cater, always injured. Then you've got Harvey Elliott and Carvalho. They're both teenagers or just, just come out of teens. So they're being relied upon to lead a, a title charge to support the front three, to protect the back line, um, and the result of that is obviously they're young is Milner is getting more games this must be the most minutes Milner has played 
in the first six or seven games in what four years and that yeah. is just a, a dreadful position to go into a new season for and then you move on I mean, to the defence yeah, yeah I mean what's your view on it Neil because I know obviously we've spoken about Liverpool quite a lot over the summer in terms of their preparation for the new season um, and as we, as we said Scott seemed very happy with the squad, the way that the squad had shaped up, especially after the Charity Shield. And where do you think this drop-off's related to? Like, what do you think it's related to? And how has it happened so quickly? See, I'm not sure it's happened so quickly. I think the if you actually look back and analyse Liverpool last season, yes, with Mane and Salah, at times they were blowing teams away, as it were. They were nicking one or two goals early on. And it was almost flattering what was the issues that were coming in the rest of the team. I mean, that, that midfield has been aging for a while. I don't think it was that great when they were in their prime, Hendo, um, etc. Van Dijk had a knee injury. He's over 30, and that was, what, 18 months, two years ago. So that was always going to be a bit of an issue if he was exposed more often, um, which he has. And I think they just, which some teams do when they go on and win a league, you know, Arsenal, Man United did it when they were dominating. You just don't see the areas that you need to strengthen. And I think United looked at, oh, I'm sorry, um, Pools looked at, okay, Mane's going, that's the big area we need to replace and we're going to have this firepower up front. Um, but they didn't look for what was happening in behind that and that protection and freshening up the midfield, but not with a 19-year-old Harvey Elliott or a Carvalho, somebody coming in uh, 24, 25 that had a bit of European experience or won something in another league somewhere. So I don't think it's so much... Uh, for me, it hasn't been a big surprise that it's happened. I did think Liverpool were going to struggle this season, maybe not to the degree they have so far, but I didn't think they were certainly going to be blowing teams away and really stretching Man City for 90-plus points again this season. Um, I just think it's a lack of identification in, in the right areas. It's almost like what United have done a couple of years ago where they've gone out and tried to buy a few marquee signings. We'll get Nunes in at 70 million without thinking, well, actually... Is that the right signing for us at this time for a project? Because there is a rebuild on at Liverpool, uh, and I don't think they've really noticed it till now. Probably the window shut. They've made a bit of a panic buy with Melo. Can't get in a poor Juventus team in a, in a not great league, uh, and he's meant to be the answer. And we're told that well, Liverpool have identified him for a while, but um, I can't see it with him really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't agree with you more. Obviously, when when Yaldum, when Yaldum left, um, he wanted to stay and we wanted him to stay. But obviously, he wanted up Salah money, two hundred k a week. We were probably because he was in his thirties. We were only going to offer him about one hundred and twenty. So he left against his will. You're right. We didn't bring in a twenty four, twenty five year old to take his place. With the thinking being, we've got Cater and Oxley Chamberlain, but they're they're just miles off there. Both their careers have been an absolute disaster. Let, let's be real about it. So what you're left with is this kind of patched up midfield and Javier and Carvalho going from the future of Liverpool to, to the now. We need you now. I mean, Javier has probably been our best player the last couple of games outside of probably Luis Diaz. And, that, you know, that's great for him and his experience. But you can see just when you're going away to Old Trafford, uh, you're going away to Napoli, we, we just need more. And like mm. I say, that's not even going on to the defence. I don't, I don't know what to say about Trent Arnold. I honestly do not not know what to say. People are dribbling rings around him, and he's jogging. They're one-twoing around him. Gomez, 
you know, he, he barely Gomez played last year. Gomez, he must be I've not rusty. seen him perform that bad. I've not he seen must, him perform that bad. He must be It was like rusty. a mixture of, it was a mixture of nerves, not being in the right position, just mm-hmm. lack of aggression, just everything he could have done wrong went wrong for him. And yeah. I said, I said for him, I said about him about 10 minutes before the half ended, I messaged the chat and I said, take him off at half time. It's not fair on him because it became a little bit embarrassing in the end. Just, he, he just couldn't make one correct decision. And I think it's worrying because you've got Kanate who, who's not quite fit. He might be back in training now. Is he back in training? Kanate? Not as far as I know. Is he not? No. Matip's no. back, obviously, come on last night. Um, but you mentioned Gomez. Yeah, he had an absolute stinker. That was like yeah. when we got beat by Spurs 4-1 at Wembley. Klopp yeah. hold Dejan Lovren off after about 25 minutes. He could have done the same last night with Gomez. But Gomez so. was trying. Don't get me wrong. He was getting ragged about. Everything he'd done was wrong, but he was trying. But yeah. Trent Arnold was just jogging about. He wasn't tracking back. He was kind of shrugging his shoulders. It was just, And that's not the first game. Obviously, Man United yeah. was, was just the same. And I just, I don't know whether his ego's got too big, he's not hungry anymore. Uh, if you're yeah. going to be a top right back, you know, like Philip Lahm and all them from the 90s, noughties, and, you know, you've got you've got to carry on having that desire. Gary Neville, even at Man United, however, what's he won? Eight Premier League titles? I don't know. He's just, he, I think it he hasn't got any desire. I think it leads perfectly on to Jurgen Klopp, really, and... and basically his involvement in the whole piece because obviously I think is this his seventh season now? Yeah, Start of his seventh season or at fifth. least his sixth full season. October yeah. oh, Liverpool Liverpool fans love the full season, don't they? The sixth <laughs> full season. They like to pretend that first season didn't happen. He came in a week after the league started. But we yeah, okay. We don't talk <laughs> seasons. We don't talk seasons. Yeah. We talk transfer yeah. windows. So he's yeah, had yeah, fifteen yeah. transfer windows. I think um, I think with Trent Arnold though, you think it wasn't that long ago that Southgate was getting hammered not for taking him for England. But again, it's uh, I think he's again another player that benefited and now is really struggling with the system because when there was the high press, winning the ball high up the pitch, and teams weren't getting much of the ball when he was living on the halfway line of. uh, Most games and whipping balls in like David Beckham, he could get away with it. But now I think football as well has moved on and it comes in cycles and the way that football's being played now with teams that are kind of a real number nine and teams are playing a little bit differently this season it means he is under more pressure to defend and that because of the age of the midfield and it's not working as hard as it has Absolutely. done Salah Salah on that side uh, I think he's sh- I know he's still going to score goals but I think he's showing the fact that he's over 30 at the moment and he doesn't you know, he, he doesn't generally track back. He's a bit of a luxury player. So he's been put under a lot of pressure in an area that probably wasn't his strength but got away with quite a lot when Liverpool had the free-flowing, yeah. high-press. Yeah, um, yeah. Marnie so definitely, what... like, took some of that burden off Salah. Do you know what I mean? If one, if one didn't score, the other one would, and you just wouldn't even notice. I think teams are noticing it now as well. As, Neil, you just mentioned with the high fullbacks, I think teams are starting to cheat now. I think they're just leaving the wingers sort of on the halfway line, in and around the halfway line, knowing that they're going to get the ball back and they can exploit that space. I mean, in terms of Napoli yesterday, they used that space in the channel so much. Do you know what I mean? The ball didn't really even need to be accurate because 
Gomez and Van Dyke, they just didn't fancy running back towards goal at any sort of pace. And it, it just killed you. Like, if you look at most of the goals, they came down the sides. The penalties came from coming down the sides. And I think that is a real weakness for you, those wide areas. Like you said, Diaz is a real workhorse. And I think yeah. you're going to see that from him all the time. He's the only one who can really come out of this with his head held high. But like you said, Salah's not really one that's known for doubling up and helping fullbacks. But if your fullback don't want to defend, there's no point your winger coming back anyway. So I think, like I said, going back to the manager, that this is the biggest thing for me now because the manager now has been here for whatever, six, seven years, coming up for seven years. When, when you... They've been in direct competition with Man City for so long. It's basically been those two fighting out for the title. And let's let's be honest, nine times out of ten, he's just come up short. So how much can you keep doing that and going again? I mean, psychologically, physically, mentally, it's going to take a lot out of you as an individual and your squad. So how how long do you think Klopp's got left in terms of being able to offer that intensity to this squad? And just to keep going, basically, and keep going toe-to-toe with Pep Guardiola. And everything, everything's dependent in life. None more so in football. You think of how many sides Fergie built. Yeah. How long was he there? Was it 25 years? Was it more? Less? Yeah, 26, years? 26 years. 26 yeah. years. How many sides did he yeah. build? It was four, maybe oh, five. Yeah. So you think that's yeah. a side every five years. So if Klopp's in his seventh year, of course he's, he's going to be forced to build a second side and he might be at that, yeah. that point now um, and it's not just about getting the right players in it's a gift and Fergie had it knowing when to get rid maybe just yeah. before they start declining mm. or, or just before that... over the best and he, he might have got that wrong and it might have had his hand forced by Mane wanting to leave Firmino's never wanted to leave and neither Salah as long as he gets his money so maybe he, he's kept that front three too long maybe he's missed out on his main like just to touch on what you're saying earlier it's well documented that we were in for too many but he went to Real Madrid so yeah by the looks of things we spent that money on Nunes so if that hadn't happened too many would have come in that had been the the young CM that we were craving that might have fixed a lot of problems at the minute and like Neil said earlier Trent Arnold now, without that engine room midfield that I've always said is our greatest asset, he's having to defend so much more. He's not getting the protection, so he's getting exposed, basically. He's probably mm. defending more than he's ever defended. He's, he's not the best defensively. And, yeah, I don't know. You're relying on the owners. Is he going to yeah. be... It's not so much can Klopp still bring that energy and desire... I'm sure he can. Can the owners allow him to build a second side? Because he's not going to be bringing in two, three hundred million like for the sale of Coutinho, and that's just not going to happen anymore. So he needs the mm. backing. So it really is a question for the owners, in my opinion. We need two hundred million next summer. Hundred million that's going to be on Bellingham if we're lucky enough to get him. Another hundred million on another top top baller or two. You're going to be getting rid of Milner. Firmino, Keita, Oxlade-Chamberlain. There's four players that are getting game time right now. Ox will be playing at the minute instead of Milner. Milner's getting games. Keita will be playing. Firmino's getting too many minutes. Um, 
so yeah, it, it's massive. It's massive, and I'm worried. I gotta admit. I just hope we can hang in there, get top four, get all the players back from injury. Jota's back, Thiago's back, Matip's back, Nunes is back off his um, injury. Uh, sorry, suspension. Curtis Jones will be back soon, and then yeah, that's what it's come to after me chucking in the chucking in the sauce about a palate cleanser. Give me the top top four four cup, (laughs) top four cup, and hoping Curtis comes back. Yeah. How how much pressure? Just before we move on from Liverpool, Neil, how much pressure do you think Klopp is under from the owners? I think he is. I'm not sure he's under pressure from the owners because a little bit like when Wenger was at Arsenal, I just don't think the owners, um, he's ticking over, Liverpool's making money, they're a good franchise. They're not, even when they've spent money, we, I know we talk a lot in the chat about the net spend cup, similarly to when Wenger was there, they got lucky. Liverpool had a bit of a, um, a golden time where everything came to place at once. Coutinho went for 130 million. They managed to get a couple of good deals over the line. Mane was one of them, used that money wisely, and then a bit of investment at the same time. So they almost had a bit of a perfect sunshine, and mm. that's not going to happen for Liverpool. And I do think what yeah. Scott said is Klopp has missed the window. I do think some of these players should have moved on, um, and really we should be seeing the second season of some of these either youngsters or somebody bought in from Europe, Um and maybe they've taken a bit of a hit last year. Still challenged for the league because I still think they would have been better than the rest apart from Man City, but then could have gone again this year. The problem they're going to have is because they need to sell to buy because the owners don't put a huge amount of money into the club. Where are they making that money from? Because the players Scott's just listed, nobody's paying more than £5 million for Oxlade-Chamberlain, Milner, Cater. They're all even on a free. Um, they're all going on a free. Yeah. So you're almost doing what Arteta's done and it's hoping people are either going out on loan or you're just shipping them off the books and it's their wages that are going. So he's going to have to be very clever in the market. Um, he's not had to go through too many cycles, like uh, Wenger or uh, um, Ferguson of rebuilding a squad. So that's going to be a challenge for Klopp, you know, in the hardest league in the world, to try and get that right at the right time and still try and challenge. But um, I think there is pressure from the fans. Um, obviously, there's a lot of the love Klopp but there is dissent and has been when they feel that he maybe should have won more in this time yeah but them them fans I was debating with a few on uh, the comments and the talk spot today just venting a bit but you can see what Klopp's doing obviously it's not all doom and gloom I just want to end up on that because we've got to go on to Manu versus Arsenal from last weekend but you can see the, the shape of the side there you've still got Alisson Arnold Gomez Canate Robertson Fabinho, Elliot, Carvalho, Diaz, Nunes, uh, and Jota. So there is, there's still a core team there. There's a nucleus there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that the nucleus of the players we just hammered? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Get Gomez out, but he's the next 10 years. He's the future. (laughs) But yeah, let's swiftly move on before I uh, get the noose out. Um, (laughs) Let's get on to Man U versus Arsenal. Unfortunately, I was still coming back back from Ibiza, so I missed... The first half, I got delayed two hours and I was raging. But I've seen the second half, I've seen the highlights. Before I pass it over to you to thrash it out, Arsenal were the better team from what I've seen. Man United took their chances and that's what it's all about. Sure. Do you want to start, Neil, with Arsenal? Uh, I'll let you go first, get the gas out of the way and I'll come in with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, delighted. You play anyone in the top six, 
the results the most important thing before it's all said and done. Do you know what I mean? Any anyhow you can get those three points, you get the three points. So I was delighted with the result to start with. Um I thought we started the game really well first 10, 15 minutes of the game. I think we started the game really quick. Um without having any major chances. We had the Ericsson one from what which was created by Dalla from Anthony on the wing. But then after that, yeah, Arsenal were on the front foot, were in the ascendancy, um, dominated a large spells of the game in terms of possession. Again, De Gea not really tested as much. Neither was Ramsdale at the other end. It was very nip and top. And I think the actual course of the game just meant whoever scored first was probably going to go on to win the game. Just touching on the VAR incident um, with the Martinelli goal, I do believe the fact that the referee witnessed what happened and then didn't decide to give the foul and then went back to VAR, I actually thought that was wrong from a Man U perspective even. It was horrendous. Yeah, I don't think they should have gone back and reviewed the incident at all. Um, So I do feel that goal should have stood. But going back to VAR, I believe the incident was a foul. A lot of people have said it's soft. I can see where they're coming from with that. I think it's 50-50. I think it could have went either way. We got the rub of the green with that decision. Um, the goal was an excellent one from Anthony. I'm really pleased with him on his debut. Um, again, didn't show he showed glimpses of what he's capable of, but it's his first game. He's trying to integrate with new teammates. It's understandable. And he was up against a good opponent in Zinchenko. So I was pleased with how he did. Took his goal well. Um, and then in the second half, the goal was coming. Arsenal more of the same in the second half. I think they started the second half really brightly. I do think the goal was a little bit of a giveaway from Varane, personally. I think he gave the ball away quite cheaply, but they still had to punish United, and they did punish us. Saka with a good finish. He was having a good season, even though that was his first goal. I do believe he is having a really, really good season for Arsenal. Um, But again, um, just to finish on United, we was always a threat on the counter. Arsenal defended surprisingly quite high with the pace. Um, that we had in behind. I thought Arsenal defended really, really high. I was surprised that they defended so high. Um, and to let Rashford have that much space was in behind was very surprising. But I think he took his, both of his goals well. And from when when we went 3-1 up, I thought we saw out the game very well. Ten Hag made good substitutions, bringing on Casemiro and Fred just to show it up. So, yeah, I was pleased with the three points. Casemiro and Maguire? Yeah, maybe not Maguire. <laughs> Get straight away. <laughs> well, and Fred just showed up the midfield, and I think we saw that the victory well. Just so to jump pretty- in there quickly before Neil starts, it was a foul. He did give him a, a nudge, and but the referee was right there. VAR Va always says we're not here to re-ref the game. It's supposed to be for the things that the ref did not see. How was that ever sent to VAR? I mean, we'll try to touch on it later if we've got time. I know we're on a timer here. But it's just, you must have been pulling your hair out, Neil. Uh, for me, the whole game hinges on, on the VAR decision. You go to Old Trafford or away from home, you ride out the first 15, 20 minutes. The, cr- the crowd had their tails up. They just um, turned Liverpool over, you know, the week before. And it's it's kind of all rosy. Things are looking different under hard. But those big games, more often than not, whoever scores first wins. And uh, I think the problem with VAR is, I mean, it was an absolute debacle this weekend, but that was every decision was re-refing the game. 
Uh, if you look at that one and you you don't even need to slow it down, the ref is within five yards of the incident. There's no player in front of him. He looks direct at the incident and he plays on. And the, the referees have said that they want a more physical element in the game and they're not going to give away decisions. Now, if you go back a week, um, Saka gets picked up in the box and body slammed. You know, the ref sees it, looks at it, uh, nothing doing. So you say, fair enough, if the ref gives it, you know, VAR probably back him up. But again, because they're saying there needs to be a little more physicality in the game and, you know, not every contact is a foul. For me personally, and this is the problem, if it was a United, the other way around, I don't see it. I didn't see it as a foul. I thought that they've both gone in. There's a niggle. There's no force used. The ref has looked at it. Uh, and it's that comes into the re-refing of the game, which is not what VAR was brought in for. You know, yeah. it was maximum impact, um, minimal use was supposed to be the idea of VAR. Those offsides where a couple of seasons ago where somebody's standing two yards offside um, or onside and goals are given or not given is what VAR is there for. The referees tried to keep up with play and there's a headbutt off of um, off behind him or, or a harsh tackle, then that's what yeah. VAR is used for. You could go back two, three, four steps. I just feel with VAR, it's, there's too much pressure on the refs in the VAR room to do something. But also I feel like the refs on the pitch just either think they can play on because VAR will bail them out and they're not making the right decisions or they're questioning themselves all the time. So at the moment, I don't know how on the continent it works, but still here it's, it's a debacle every week. Um, and it the changes bit, the game. Yeah, the bit I hate the most is, like you say, if that was in the box, I hate when it changes the decision depending where it is on the pitch. If that was in the box and the ref was right there and he waved play on like he did in the middle of the pitch, VAR wouldn't have looked at that because hmm. they're not re-refing the game. The ref was there, he didn't think it was a penalty, but all of a sudden they're re-refing it when it's in the middle of the pitch. Why is that? It's constant yeah. inconsistencies every single yeah. week. But I think if I get onto the game and I take that out, um, strangely, I think United deserved to win the game, even though we played uh, you know, the better football for the majority. And I think it does come down again to, I think if we scored that goal, we would have gone on to win it. We still do have quite a young team, a little bit of naivety. And I think we got a little bit carried away within the game and Man United managed the game better. So although we had the more of the possession, um, you know, the better chances without really creating anything where De Gea had to save, United actually almost played like the away team. You know, they looked to hit us on the break. I think it was a bit naive from Arteta not to drop another 10 yards with the line he was playing. I know he wants to do the high press and win it up the other end of the pitch. But, you know, United's tails are up at the moment. They've had a lot of pace up front you know, rejuvenated under a new manager. Um, I, th I think we just didn't manage the game very well. And I think you'll get a lot of that from Arsenal this season, maybe playing great football, but not having, you know, what Liverpool have got an abundance of, maybe too much experience to see games out, to take the one all away at Man United. You know, I think we got a bit too carried away with we've won five in a row. And now we need to win the sixth and win the seventh. And yes, you want to win every game, but... You could see him in substitutions. He was he was going for it, wasn't he? But yeah, it's been I think well documented little... by all the pundits. He, he was... said you were yeah, on top. But... He didn't need to change anything. Yeah, I think he was. But um, to give credit to him, Zuchenko was coming in not fully fit with a knock. Erdegaard was coming in not fully fit with a knock. So I think he had to change those two. I think mm. in his mind, they were probably only going to get about an hour, 75 minutes. Both of them 
So I feel that they may have been a little bit forced. And then he, I think maybe he could have held off on the Inketia one and just made the double substitution, seen that out for, you know, 10, let it settle, and then bring Inketia on. So I give him a, you know, cut him a bit of slack because I do think there was obviously injury issues with Zinchenko and Odegaard, which probably forced his hand a bit. Um, but I think he was, yeah, trying to go for the jugular and win. Um, I think we all just got a little bit carried away. When I saw the team sheet, when I saw the team sheet, I did think a few of them boys aren't fully fit. I knew that you. I was surprised. Like he could have played Tierney at left back and played Zinchenko in the midfield. I think Lacong struggled a little bit just to get to grips with Fernandez's position. Yeah, and I think that comes down to Arteta as a as a young manager because the game yeah. before where he came in Lacong, he was excellent but he was excellent against a particular opposition, um, you know, played well in the comfort of playing in his own stadium, etc. And he's a young lad and not had many minutes. And I think you look at it and you, like you say, you, you bring Tierney in who's fit and Zinchenko steps inside a little bit too much, which he did for the Anthony goal. He gave him way too much space because he wants to drift into that central midfield position. And he needs to tighten up in the big games because that's going to cost us. You could get away with it with teams further down the league, but he was tucking in a lot and then United, United exposed it. Um, so I do think a bit of naivety from Arteta. I think he should have probably um, dropped Zinchenko in there and Tierney at, you know, at left back, but we were playing good football. So I think Tierney's it. experience would have been quite key as well. Yeah. Just with him being a senior player in, that, in a game of that magnitude, I think you just need as many types of profile like that mm. as well, I think he really would have helped, especially in the latter stages of the game coming on. Like you said, at 2-1, there was still should have been no panic. With 20 minutes to go, he could have quite easily come out of there with an equaliser. 2-2 mm. two, two would have been a brilliant result in that game for you. Um, being unbeaten still, still, well, he's still top of the league, but being top of the league unbeaten would have been a fantastic result for you at all. Well, is that, top, is that top of the league, yeah? Yeah, yeah top of the league. Yeah, yeah, top of the league. Okay. I just wanted to double check, just wanted to double check that. But yeah, just I think touching, we'll have a... Neil, just touching on Tierney, do you think that's Tetz's long-term plan to have Tierney and Zinchenko in the same side and Zinchenko taking up a position in midfield, which was kind of where he was coached coming up, wasn't it? He was kind of a left-back yeah. by yeah, default. I, th- I think so. I think and that's why we didn't bring in a, in a midfielder. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were calling for a winger and a central midfielder because parties you know, struggled with injuries. We did have injuries coming into the game. You know, we missed a couple of players and United were on a crest of the wave. I was worried for us going into the game. I thought we may draw it or 2-1 United. I wasn't overly confident we'd win the game. Um, just from the momentum, you know, we picked up a couple of knocks, whereas United were getting their kind of marquee signings in. Um, but yeah, I, I see it maybe more Zinchenko stepping inside because even as a left-back, he's been doing that and Tierney being more of a an out-and-out left back up and down that side of the pitch with um, Martinelli. So good on the ball as well, isn't Jank? He's so good on the ball. I think good stock, is, isn't he? Yeah, he's good. Right, we're running out of time. Um, still so much to talk about. Probably do a, a weekend preview. If the football doesn't get cancelled, God bless the Queen. Some uh, mm. really sad news coming through. Um, but yeah, we'll see if the Premier League games go ahead this weekend maybe come on and do a stream tomorrow night if you sure. boys have got half an hour spare um, but I'll just finish off a little bit on Liverpool Everton because we haven't really touched on that but that game it was it was kind of 
Liverpool all over at the minute. We could have won it 3-0. We could have lost it 2-0. It was just crazy. It was an enjoyable game. I've been to Anfield and watched an Everton Merseyside derby before and it was 0-0 as well. And they call it the best 0-0 there's ever been. But that was up there. We hit the post three times. They hit the post. A goal disallowed by the scouser, Connor Cody. It was just a crazy game. Um, yeah. How it ended up 0-0, I'll never know. But Everton probably needed the result more than us at the minute because Frank's really struggling. They've lost all their funding, sold quite a few players with Charleston and stuff. Um, but yeah, probably on the whole, a draw was a fair result. Mm. A draw specialist this year, aren't you, Liverpool? Yeah. <laughs> we need yeah. a couple of wins. Yeah. Okay. Shame you did. Cheers, boys. Nice Thank one. You. Thanks. Uh, cheers for joining, Neil. Hope you join on the next one. If you do, we might consider changing the description to three football fans. Um, <laughs> but let's see how you bed in. I know you're a busy man. Um, but yeah, really appreciate you coming on. And we'll see you in the group chat, boysies. Uh, yeah. Okay. West, Ham, West, West Ham have just gone 1-0 down at home in the Europa League. Just uh, a little sign-off. No one no. cares about Europa League, lads. <laughs> That's what they're all here for. They're all here for the Europa League. I've got yeah. United on, so. Nice one. Right, speak soon, guys. Yeah,